coming up on Art Palace. How do you see the space between people as having significance? Or more specifically, where do you see God present? I'm going to put it that way. Where do you see God present between people? Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's episode is a live recording of the gallery experience on connectedness that took place on November 24th, 2019. This conversation took place in the special exhibition, The Levy, a photographer in the American South, and the topic was inspired by some of the themes found in the photographs. The conversation was moderated by Pastor Alice Connor, UC chaplain and author of How to Human, an Incomplete Manual for Living in a Messed Up World. The panel included Daniel Hughes, pastor of Incline Missional Community, and a member of the Economics of Compassion Initiative and the Jubilee Cincinnati Campaign, and also Koti Krishna, senior scientist at Procter & Gamble, religious counselor of the Hindu Society of Greater Cincinnati, and co-author of the Complete Bhagavad Gita, a verse-by-verse self-study guide to master the ancient text with new insights. Because this conversation took place in the gallery, you may occasionally hear background sounds from visitors. This is the first time I've done something like this, so it's kind of fun. I'm excited. <laughs> you guys are guinea pigs. <laughs> um, I thought um, it might be an interesting way to sort of introduce ourselves beyond our qualifications um, to, to y'all, but also to each other, um, which is, uh, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Um, thinking about your everyday life, right? Not, not like what's coming down the pipe or what you wish your life were, but you're just what happens in your everyday life. And I'm going to answer this too. What do you notice that just flows without any work on your part? What flows easily? Like a river. Oh. But also, what are you longing for? Mm. You weren't expecting this question. <laughs> no, no. Maybe you should answer it first since you've side note, already been thinking. I will think about it. Um, actually, and side note, I'm going to ask you guys the same question in just a minute. So be thinking of your own answers. So what, what I long for um, sort of deeply within my soul, I think, is understanding and I mean understanding of myself, because I often feel like um, my, my motives are misunderstood, or what I'm saying or doing is misunderstood. Um, but I really also, but more than that, sort of on a, like a societal level, that, that people will see each other clearly for who they actually are, rather than sort of the masks that we put on or the masks we put on other people. You know what I mean? Um, that's what I long for deeply. Um, I'm going to let somebody else answer now that I've answered something. Um, I think for me, the, the flow, mm-hmm. I think I connect with humans fairly easily. I think that just, that just happens. Mm. Um, but I think there's a longing right now in this particular time in my life where I, I long for a connection, inner, like a, a head, heart, body connection with myself. Mm. I call it an integrated self for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Hmm. I, I seem to be able to connect with others better than I can connect with all of me. Yeah. And um, 
and sometimes the connection that I have with others is, is strictly intellectual. Like emotionally, I, I, I keep it, that distance. And again, so I'm trying to find a more holistic connection here so that I can have that mm-hmm. kind of connection with others and, and maybe, you know, hopefully see others in the light that you're talking about. Really, yeah. That kind of mm-hmm. deal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel that. I feel that's, that. What about you? Well, for me, um, I want to experience every moment of my existence. Mm-hmm. Nothing is mundane for me and nothing is trivial, nothing is important. Everything mm-hmm. I experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was a great scholar, very knowledgeable person, mm-hmm. but my mom is a sixth grade dropout mm-hmm. and she had all the wisdom which my father lacked. <laughs> yeah. Knowledge comes in the ways of wisdom sometimes. Yeah. So I live my life uh, exactly like she said. Yeah. That is, be cheerful, every gloomy moment is that much wasted life. Hmm. I follow that. Hmm. And hmm. there are no strangers mm-hmm. in this world. There could be strange behaviors. <laughs> <laughs> And when you work for a big company, there is a lot of some people going up, going down, a lot of things happen, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. But then she said, uh, celebrate the success of others. Yeah. What do you got to lose? Mm-hmm. Like in a company with 100,000 employees whom you thought, oh, this person, uh, they get elevated, they get promoted, they may be your boss, they may be CEO company right in front of your eyes. So just celebrate their success. Yeah. What yeah. did you got to lose? Yeah. And then all life has sorrow. No life is without sorrow. That's the way life is. So it's a joyful participation in the sorrows of life. Mm, mm. Sorrow does not necessarily mean somebody dying or anything, even little things, some failures, every failure. So joyfully participate in that. And of really course, like you said, joyfully participate in the sorrows of life. Yeah, joyfully participate. <gasps> why, the message is why suffer twice? Right. Mm. That's the reason, why suffer twice? Mm. So I follow that principle. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how my life runs. Yeah. I think, uh, life, life is, runs like a river. Mm-hmm. Time flows like a river. Life yeah. flows like a river. Yeah. And no two moments are same. Anything, like they say, the bad pictures are the ones which you did not take. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm I'm going to stick a pin in that river moment. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Um, You don't all have to respond, but if anybody who is present uh, has been kind of listening and thinking, just in a few words, what is it that you're longing for? Uh, For me, what came to mind, things that all three of you said, was healing and how will we forgive each other in our country Mm -hmm. to not be the same. Mm-hmm. and not even have to blend mm-hmm. but how will we forgive each other and live together yeah especially after these last years mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. now yeah and that is very much in my mind and mm-hmm. my prayers and you're longing for that forgiveness and that being able to live together yeah living in the flow of that how will that come about yeah how will we manage that mm-hmm. yeah it's not a question that we get asked very often is it I, I'll, I'll answer yeah. um, because I have just retired from my wife's work, mm. and then what flows well for me is connecting to other people. But like you said, that thing of connecting to yourself and specifically finding out what is my creativity. Mm-hmm. 
and how do I want that to be expressed mm -hmm. in a period of my life where I have a lot more free time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, something that flows easily for me, uh, besides love for my family, is um, empathy. Mm. And um, I think something that I'm trying to figure out now is how can I use that um, successfully? Mm. You know, what? How can I find meaning in that to help others? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Empathy flowing. So we're not here to talk about the photos necessarily, but to kind of be inspired by them, to sit in the midst of them. Um, and the, the journey of the artist on the same river that his father worked on, um, but not really seeing each other, is really kind of fascinating to me. So I'm, I'm just going to say a couple of things, and then I'm going to kind of direct it this way. Um, so as we were wandering through the gallery uh, that, the other day, um, we were talking a lot about uh, the distance between people. Um, sometimes it's, it's quite a distance, like really significant. Um, there's, a, there's a piece on this uh, wall over here that if you're on this side of the table, you can see. If you're on that side, I don't think you can, um, but you can get up later and look at it. Um, it's right next to the door. Uh, so a woman standing in the doorway of her house. And um, Nathaniel pointed it out to me, and I don't remember exactly what you said, but I remember you pointing it out to me specifically about this idea of distance. And then I've, I've, it's been sitting with me the whole time, like for a month. She is being photographed, right? So you've got her sort of unadorned, very clearly in front of the camera, and just you can see a little sliver of her inner life, her house, where she lives, her home, right? You can see a little sliver of it around her body between herself and the doorway. Um, and she's got kind of this, like, she doesn't look angry, but just definitely kind of a, this is my space, hello, what can I do for you? What do you need? Kind of perspective, right? And like, there's such a distance between her and the photographer, right? And, and I, who knows where it went? Like maybe they became fast friends. <laughs> but the photograph is just this, this sliver of time with, with big space between people. But then you've got this one over here behind us, um, of the two women, I presume they're two women, I don't know, uh, two people holding hands, sort of supporting each other's hands and the closeness of that and I really love this word this tenderness of this like the, the space between us can collapse entirely in certain relationships and in others be significantly separate right so I'm interested to hear about in in your own lives or perhaps in your own in your own spirituality how do you see how do I want to say this how do you see um how do you see the space between people as having significance? Or more specifically, where do you see God present? I'm going to put it that way. Where do you see God present between people? Even the human relation? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the places I have been, uh, I think a lot of time where you work matters, I think. Mm. The place of employment. It's very diverse. Uh, we have people from different ethnicities, black, Chinese, Indians, whites. So there I, I see there is celebration of diversity, there is mm -hmm. very little kind of any kind of misgiving or any kind of mm -hmm. trying to be sensitive or trying to patronize anything like that. But in the community itself I see, uh, depending on where it is, mm -hmm. if you go to like Madeira, mm -hmm. which is more traditional, mm -hmm. more white, more traditional kind yeah. of community. 
and some places like in uh, Montgomery area. Mm-hmm. Actually, we are trying to buy a condo, and this condo is only two units. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was vacant. It's a very nice opportunity. I was trying to buy at the neighbor. There's only two. Mm. There's a HOA association. He's the president. So I wanted to meet him before buying. Mm. He would not open the door for me. Mm. Mm. Then I had a handyman who came to inspect the house before buying. He would open the door for him. <laughs> mm. So I can see that uh, complete acceptance to complete rejection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come from a country. I was telling her I am the bad guy. <laughs> so it's hard to change the hearts of people. Mm. It not necessarily changes. So I see examples of both. Mm-hmm. Examples mm-hmm. of prejudice as an example. Examples of total acceptance. But you know, in my workplaces, it has always been total acceptance. There is no. Mm. Mm. It may be just because the places I have been. Mm-hmm. Would you say that that experience of acceptance is, I don't know if you would use this language, but would you say that's sort of a sense of the divine, God present? Yeah, correct. Yeah. And, and sort of the, yeah. the guy not opening the door for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a kind of... Not that God's uh, necessarily absent. Well, my dad was like that, so I can yeah. say that. Mm. My dad was a bigot. Mm. But my mom, that's why I call Archie, I don't know how many of you are familiar, you're all too young. <laughs> Archie Bunker and Edith Bunker, I consider it as my American parents. Although totally different. Wow. He's a blue-collar worker, my yeah. dad is a scholar. Right, uh, right. It doesn't matter. Uh, mm-hmm. Education doesn't matter. Your basic nature yeah. shows up. Right. I, Archie Bunker is exactly like my dad. Edith Bunker is exactly like my mom. Yeah. So I can see that. So when somebody does that, I can just see that. Yeah, yeah. I just make sure I won't do it. That's all. Right. I have seen that uh, uh, the same family. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My dad was like that. My mom was exactly the other. Yeah. Way. It's funny when she when she passed away in our in our culture. Uh, people offer rice to the dead body, mm-hmm. uh, like as though they are going to feed it, and some of our relatives said. Uh, some people who don't belong to our caste, but mm. my mom was mm. close to all of them. She mm-hmm. didn't care about caste. They would not let them offer rice to her. Uh-huh. I got very mad. Mm. Yeah. She was she was with them all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why it, uh, sometimes it, rem- it reminds me that hearts of people sometimes won't change uh, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. These, these distinctions, the distance between us, the distance between people, it exists across cultures. And we come up, we make up reasons exactly, why yeah. some people are in and some people are out. You know, right before we were talking, uh, before we started this, um, we were just you know, sort we, of... We made sure we don't raise our children like that. Which, right, exactly, like, yeah, yeah. Like my daughter was doing her, she went to Ursuline Academy, she was doing her, uh, she got a psych, psych, psychology... Uh, graduate, undergraduate degree from New York University. Then she went for World Teach program in Namibia. Mm-hmm. And after she worked there for one year, she kept going back. I said, fine. <laughs> <laughs> then I was going to go to Namibia in 2008 because that was her last year. Mm-hmm. And she said, Daddy, when you come here, you must know I am very close to a black man here. She said, I said, are you telling me or asking? Mm. She said, I am telling you. I said, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Only condition for you is because of you, he should not move to America. Mm. 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 
Because sure. he's, he's a Namibian, enjoying life in Namibia. Right, right. You should not be the cause for him to move to America. Mm-hmm. If he yeah. wants to move yeah. here, he's, because you are a citizen born here and mm-hmm. he can easily come, uh, so yeah. immigrant and citizen, but you should not be the cause. Right. Daniel, how about you? What, That's um, all I told her. That's all the condition. That's yeah. <laughs> the only condition. We're good. I love it. Um, Daniel, tell me about. Tell us about um, how how you see. If you want to call it God, that's fine. Or just sort of the. How, tell me about the connections you see among people in your life. That distance and that closeness. Um, I have a friend who uh, wrote a song. They had a tragedy in their community in Portland. Uh, she's a songwriter, and uh, the song is called "Distance Is a Privilege." And so she was talking about in her church how, um, you know, they had their church and life is good. And, and one of the members of the church who happened to be a black man who was a postal worker uh, was shot by a police officer while trying to break up a fight. So the police officer thought that he was actually the, the cause or the culprit or whatever. And so she was kind of thrust into like how easy it is to forget or how easy it is to yeah. separate yourself from this other world out there. And so, um, I think of distance as a privilege, like yeah. like just kind of the way that we do America, the way that we do our yeah. lives, yeah. that you want to be as far away as you can from the things that make you uncomfortable or feel unsafe or da, 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 yeah. whatever that is, right? So um, where do I see God or the divine? I think it starts, for me, my faith says that God actually came and hung out with us. Mm. Like, like the notion of God's in heaven somewhere out there, a force mm. out there, but then God actually comes and is actually close and mm-hmm. can be in your whatever, your mess, whatever, whatever, right? We're, we're, that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. So for me, the idea or the philosophy or the theology, or, there's got to be something bigger, more powerful than our, our, our society or the way that we organize society yeah. in order to get me to challenge that notion, mm-hmm. right? And so um, I, think it, I, think that, I think that we need to try different ideas. Yeah. I think... Um, I mean, that's an idea that's already out there, but we need new ideas that allow us to, to close the gap, that put us in mm. proximity to one another, mm. um, rather than just kind of going mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. going with what is. And so uh, the group that, I, that I'm with, Jubilee, mm-hmm. the whole notion of Jubilee comes out of a Jewish concept that says every 50 years, you like if someone is in debt or enslaved, you release them from bondage. If you have their property, they get their property back. Like our society doesn't have that idea. Right. Like we hold people out forever, forever. <laughs> yeah. It's like, when do you pay your debt to, how long do you have to yeah. suffer for? And if we had some sort of idea that says, you know what, I'm, I'm, you know, we're going to hold this for a while, but eventually, you know, like yeah. you may not get it, but your, your descendants, your descendants may get it. Someone in the family may get it. So that idea has my, my imagination right now. Yeah. Um, Hmm. In terms of, I think that's a way of connecting yeah. to say that we have a way of doing a reset. Yeah. Um, so, does that a, make sense? Yeah, no, it totally does. There, there's a theologian, um, Nadia Boltzweber, who maybe heard of her, she's written a couple of books. Um, she was in Cincinnati a few months ago, and maybe it was last year actually. <laughs> The passage of time is a little mystery to me sometimes. Um, I think it was a year, the other day. Uh, and she was, I can't remember all the things she said, but this one particular thing, she was talking about how she's intrigued by how we keep each other on the hook. This sort of idea of somebody has done us wrong or done someone else wrong, and we say something along the lines of like, well, we can't let them off the hook. You know, they have to pay for their crimes or they have to at least say they're sorry or something. They have to stay on the hook. 
Uh, and then she just paused and she said, but why? Why do we have to keep them on the hook? Why, why is it a good thing for them to stay on the hook? Now, there are lots of societal things that suggest maybe we do need to at least see the wrong that we've done, right? But then can we, can we help each other down off those hooks and just be with each other? But the problem is, I'm not sure. I mean, we struggle with that, don't we? Yeah. Like, how, like, yeah, there's so much wrong that we have done each other or that we benefit from somebody else having done Mm. that it's like the hook is in all of our backs. Mm. I was wondering, like that, to some degree that has to do with how you close your own wounds. Yeah. Yeah. Say more. That's just sort of where I am with that. I mean, why we hold each other on the hook is because we're maybe, yeah. because we have a wound that we can't figure out how to close and we're looking mm-hmm. to outside ourselves in some way to mm-hmm. find the resources or find something to happen mm-hmm. that will allow us to close that wound we'll, we'll or will close it for us. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe there's, like I'm saying, we can't, there, is, there is such a thing as justice, maybe, you know, there, are, you know yeah. there is something to be said for that, but um, maybe in some ways, on certain occasions, it's really about something that happens inside yourself mm-hmm. more than yeah. I think that someone speaks, else on a hook. I think yeah. that speaks to your longing. Like, mm. how do we create, how do we forgive and then create places of healing so that the, the wounds can heal? And that choice to forgive, it's like it just seems so hard to forgive mm-hmm. because it's, it's like they're getting away with it or what happens if I forgive and then it doesn't mm-hmm. change it something. Doesn't change. And so I think it is easier yeah. to hold hold people quote-unquote accountable until they pay enough, whatever you feel like enough is. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Um, you know, when we go, we go to the jail on Thursdays, I mean, those are, I mean, criminal justice system is designed to keep those people away from us. Yeah. And so, I mean, they're isolated in that place, and, and when we go to them, I think that's it. Like, it's, it's the going to the the other, to the stranger, that notion that there are no strangers, there may be strange behavior. I love that. It's so great. Right? To, to put yourself in the place or in the presence of the other and to actually be present when you're with yeah. them. Yeah. Right? That's the other thing. We can be in the same room but not actually be present, mm-hmm. which is what I like also what you said earlier. And yeah. so I think that for me, the closeness that I have within, within the healing that I do within, it then makes it a little easier to do that yeah. in the world. So do you feel, I'm going to ask both of you this, um, do you feel when you think about forgiveness, or maybe it's also related to justice and, and seeing each other clearly, um, does forgiveness feel like putting something down that you've been carrying? So say that again. Does, does forgiveness feel like putting down a burden? Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel like when you haven't forgiven someone, you're carrying something, or maybe even clinging mm-hmm. to it? Or would you, or maybe would you use a different metaphor for that? For me, it depends on what it is. Okay. Sometimes it feels like putting down a burden, and other times it just feels like I'm losing. Mm. It feels like I'm losing. Because mm. um, I want to hold it. <laughs> I want to hold it for a little while. If I'm honest, like I don't, I don't know if I can let this go yet. It's not a burden to me yet. Right, right. now, it's fuel. Right now, it's yeah, sure, it's sure. fueling something for me. Huh? It, right now, it's still meaningful, uh, but eventually. I've had things that I've held for a long, long time, uh-huh. and they did become a burden. So uh-huh. for me, I'm trying to find that time. I'm trying to tell myself, like, you know what? That one hurt, or that, you know? I yeah. think I need to hold this for, like, seven days. 
Or maybe like every 50 years. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to figure out, you know. I will set this down in 50 I will years. Set this, I will set this down in, in 50 years, but I'm going to hold on to it. Yeah. Um, Kati, what about you? What, is, what yeah, is, I does think, that metaphor um, resonate? A lot of time, it depends on how we feel about our soul. Mm. Mm. So nobody can hurt me with their behavior. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have no question of forgiving. Mm. Uh, to forgive, I have to get hurt. Okay. But physically, if somebody hurts me, uh-huh. I am not ready for that. That is very hard for me to forgive. Uh-huh. It does not happen. If somebody came and slapped on me, uh-huh. I don't know whether I will turn the other cheek. Because right. physically, I have not been. Mm-hmm. But emotionally, or by behavior, like the guy did not open the door, it didn't bother me. Mm. Just an observation I made. <laughs> I would like to learn from you this ability to not be hurt by what other people say and do near yeah, you. Yeah, I won't be, yeah. I, I don't know why. Uh, yeah. it, it doesn't bother me at all. It just doesn't bother yeah, you. That, that, that's why it, uh, that's that why it that depends on how we were brought up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is it because, something you practice? Uh, when you're a Brahmin boy, yeah. a Brahmin boy is brought up as, you are great. <laughs> See, that matters. Uh-huh. I may not be great, but how we feel about it. Mm. So that's uh, very difficult for me, mm. for somebody to Interesting. emotionally or uh, verbally abuse. Mm. Wow. Mm. So can I Physically. ask you a question? Yeah, would you? So when, when that person did not open the door for you, were you able to just go, that's some strange behavior? So you're yeah. able to just put it out it's like the, it, it just didn't bother me. So I got my handyman to get the door open. <laughs> <laughs> I know he was not opening because of my skin color. Mm-hmm. Um, right, But right, my right. handyman was, you know, white guy. I told him, you knock at the door, because I had a few questions right. to ask him mm. before buying the property. I didn't buy it anyway, yeah. but uh, before I do that, but he would not even open the door. I left a message in yeah, his mailbox yeah, yeah. to call me back, he, he would that, not do it. That didn't, that didn't no. wound you or fill you with not. resentment. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> that's what that's I said. amazing. <laughs> that, that's what I said. A lot of people tell me in workplace, how come uh, somebody who was one-tenth experience that you got promoted, I say, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think I get it. It is just, uh, as I said, people cannot hurt me by yeah. words and behavior. Yeah. But yeah. they can. Mm-hmm. They hit yeah. me. Uh, right. So Daniel um, mentioned a minute ago that, that we go uh, and visit the, the guy, not all of them, some of the guys in the Hamilton County Justice Center on Thursdays. And the last few weeks, you've been talking to them about offense taking offense and learning to not take offense mm-hmm. or what to do with it. You, do you want to talk about that just a little bit? Okay, can I just add one more yeah, thing please. to that? Yeah, well, it's related. It but is yeah. just me. Yeah. But my, my wife can get hurt for nothing. Oh, she gets upset. <laughs> She's a Brahmin too. <laughs> but she can get hurt. Is she perplexed Even by you? when the other person didn't enter. Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, so it's just a... Brought, brought up in nature and nurture. Both. Yes, yes. I think both play into picture. In my case, my nurture and nature somehow matched very yeah, well. Yeah. In her case, uh, even me, she says, you hurt me. I said, you and I did not. <laughs> uh, I did not. <laughs> so, anyway. So, I think yeah. you did. I just <laughs> she said it. She said it. She said it, right. Yeah, tell, tell us a little bit about this idea of offensive, mm-hmm. being offended, yeah. Yeah, the idea that, uh, that an offense, if, if you're hurt by some, not, not every offense hurts you, um, but if you're hurt by, if you're deeply hurt by someone's actions or, or behaviors or whatever, 
and it, and it hits you in a place that like just really gets you, really knocks you off your feet, that thing can create some sort of, um, like almost a trap. It's almost like a trigger. We talk about triggers. It's, it's a thing that you just can't shake. You can't seem to overcome. And so whenever you encounter someone getting close to that kind of an offense again or close to doing that again, you, you'll react, like, right? It's like if, if, if you drop something, something on your toe, you're going to out, you're going you're to snap back, you're going to try to protect it from uh, being hurt again. And that's what happens to us emotionally. It can be mentally. It can be physically. Um, the Enneagram tells us that there are three, three types of people, head people, heart people, and body, or body types, head types, or heart types. I, I grew up as a more of a body type and, and head type. I grew into being a head type. Didn't realize that my heart type was so anemic that I, that was the place where a lot of my offenses were and I just didn't know how to process them. And so I kind of, I don't, I don't, I'm not emotional, but I was, I was just, I had a way of just short circuiting and getting around it. Um, and then when I realized that I was carrying a bunch of like offenses in my like heart, I'm like, Oh, I don't know what to do with this. And so, so when I would get triggered, I would just blow up mm. or I would, I would avoid it. Mm. just leave it alone, mm. leave them alone. And so I take that into the jail and I'm talking with the guys like, what type are you? Cause if you're a head type, you're pro- you kind of, you're fearful, you're fear based. That's your, yeah. that's your primary emotion. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, I had to have a plan A, B, C, and D. So I had to guarantee that if this didn't work out then, cause I couldn't, I couldn't handle not mm. succeeding, winning, accomplishing. And so, um, so that's kind of where I live. Yeah. I gotta have a plan. And if the plan doesn't go well, then, you know, your expectations aren't met. And so then I got to get angry. I got to blow up or I got to leave you alone and just never mess with you because you can't, you know. And so it's like, man, you're just carrying all of these, these burdens. You're carrying all of these offenses and you have to allow your heart to soften. Yes. That's the flow for me. The river is like allowing that to actually have, have a softer heart and allowing my heart to be my kind of, um, my radar, if you were my sensor, and then allow my mind to set the plan. Yeah. For me, it was like, forget the heart, just yeah. set the plan, yeah. just work out the plan. And, um, and I see the guys doing that in jail, like, right. And, and their, and their behaviors are really, really different because criminal behavior, like even if you're not really a criminal in jail, you learn criminal ways in order to survive. And so mm-hmm. being a heart person in jail, isn't really beneficial to them. I'm just trying to encourage them, like, listen, like pay attention to you it because this. you need this. Right. And you're in an environment where that yeah. is, if you're vulnerable, you are the prey and uh-huh. you can be taken over and taken out, but like, yeah. listen to it, trust it. There's stuff yeah. in there. Does that, for y'all who are listening, does this idea of sort of head, heart and body types that within Enneagram, you, you tend to have a primary one, but you, you have all those obviously. <laughs> um, and I like how you talk about in, when we're in there, you talk about like the soul is the interaction among the mm-hmm. three really. Mm-hmm. Um, does that idea of sort of being primarily a head or a heart or a body type resonate with you? Does that sound like, Oh yeah, I know exactly. I see some head, head nodding. Yeah. Well, it's, like, like, oh, I know. Yes. So I said the head type is kind of uh, the, the, the driving motivation or the driving uh, emotion is fear. It's kind of a fear base. Yeah. So a heart type, um, the, the driving motivation would be um, shame based, guilt. So, so what gets you doing things? Like, so when, I, when, I'm, when I'm fearful, 
I'm in my head and I'm afraid of something, I, that's when I start to plan and figure out how to solve, mm-hmm. problem solve. Um, my wife is a hard type, and so she has a lot of guilt. So she doesn't try to, but she'll, if she wants to get you to do something or she needs to do something, guilt and shame kind of come. Mm-hmm. It's the way that she, she'll do it. Mm-hmm. And then body types, is, and this body is the type. way that I grew up, <laughs> was, was anger. Yeah. So the, the body type is like when something is happening, anger is the catalyst that gets you going. And, some, and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and for me, it was really dis- dis- disruptive and destructive. And so that's where I said, for me, I would avoid stuff because I didn't want to blow it up. Mm. And so those are the kind of mm. the differences. And again, does we that, have all of them. Does that help? No, that's right. Does that make sense? Does one of those speak to you? I feel like I'm going back and forth sometimes. Yeah. 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 For sure. And that's what I think the integrated soul is when we can, when we can allow them to work together, to communicate, mm-hmm. communicate together. Because I don't think, for me, anger, I couldn't sustain anger. Yeah. Anger can be my catalyst. It gets me going. But my, there has, I, have a, I have to have um, other emotions to keep that thing going. Mm-hmm. And I have to have a plan that I'm working towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and before, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Before yeah. I just get angry about something, it's yeah. like, okay, so what's your plan? No, I'm just angry. Right. It's, it seems like... <laughs> yes. I'm just angry. Just angry, yeah. Just, yeah. It's all going to be directed somewhere. <laughs> That's right. That, that person in yeah. the situation doesn't... Uh, That's yeah. right. You've got to be aware of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I um, I often think about. I'm also really into the Enneagram, but we don't have to just talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like, sort of this idea of sort of integrating the soul or, or becoming, um, well, just becoming, right? <laughs> becoming the person that we're we are becoming. Um, I, I have two children who are a little bit bigger, <laughs> somewhere in the middle of your people. Um, and I'm so fascinated to watch them like start to become who they're going to be, right? They're, some of that's already there, obviously. They're 10 and 7, so there's definitely some pretty strong personality action happening. And I'm really excited to see, as, as sad as I am to watch them grow up, I'm excited to see them become these adults with thoughts and feelings and plans. Um, and it, it from this particular uh, idea of, of heart, head, and, and body, to me, it almost feels like they're, they're all kind of converging. Like the, the goal is that those three converge within us and we really experience all three fully. Um, and if it's not too, uh, far a metaphor, like I really appreciate Nathaniel when you were telling me about the, the, the river journeys that the artist and his father were on two different directions on the river and never like the timing was different when, when, uh, Sahab, I would say his name wrong. Sohrab, sorry. Um, when he was beginning his artistic journey on the river, his father was already gone. He was on the, 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 the levee, it's called the levee, of course, but he was on the, the dry land as opposed to on the boat. His father couldn't get off the boat, right? There's these sort of, going back to that earlier stuff, this, this distance, this separation in time and space, but also a sort of converging, like in the work that he's doing is sort of this converging of their stories. Um, which I find really beautiful. <laughs> um, and, and my hope is that, that that's what we do with, with our lives. I mean, our, our inner lives, personally. Mm-hmm. But between people that we begin to converge, even if it's just for a moment, right? Like, we're converging, the three of us are with y'all today, right? Just a little bit. Just slowly, like rivers. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just think that's cool. Um, <laughs> Do you think integration is possible with people? Mm. 
versus desegregation? Because I think diversity versus. and even what you were saying in terms of conversion, like we desegregate <laughs> being each other's place. Yes. Like that experiment of integration, when I look at the uh, photos, like, you know, colored people only, the yes, experiment of yes, integration yes, yes. didn't work. Right, right. And yeah, so, as yeah. you were saying, because yeah. that's my, that's one of my longings, like, is it possible to have that kind of deep right. connection? Like, right. can we really integrate? Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah, do you, you want to respond to that? Everybody needs the same thing. Hmm. Like, like, cultural differences and stuff, all that stuff goes mm-hmm. away when everybody's trying to, to, try to live. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we all want food, water, shelter, we want, we want hugs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like desegregation versus integration, uh, there, there's, there's, there's no segregation when we're all trying to live under the same, mm-hmm. same way. I'm familiar, um, like, I'm, I know enough to get myself in trouble. Mm-hmm. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, it basically says that you're, you're only supposed to know 150 people. Oh, sure. So, so kind of, I've always been intrigued by the thought that, like, these concepts of, uh, like, this group hates each other because, because they're different. And that's over there, and we're over here, and we're afraid of it. And so, it's the, we, we decided, uh, like, on a lizard brain mm-hmm. sort of level, that it's going to be the fear that keeps us safe. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and, and maybe you know people people can become friends because they're mm-hmm. they're both just trying to not die together. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? mm. And so when when you say can we can we integrate and desegregate, I think the answer is yes, mm. but but not on on mass. Sure. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. Maybe it's, oh man, now we get into like web theory and stuff where it's, it is all integrated, but like this may not be integrated with this, separate, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it strikes me in, in the example of, particularly with integrating schools, <laughs> it didn't work the way we wanted it to work, for sure, if at all. Um, and, and some of that may be that it was not necessarily, it, it was not mutual, it was not a, it was not something like if I'm trying, if I'm working on integrating with you, hopefully you were also working on integrating with me <laughs> and that, that sort of we can come together. But if one group is like, we, we need to be like, let's, let's be friends or whatever you want to say. And the other group's like, Ugh, I mean, if we have to, you're not going to have integration. But, and, and even if we don't want to use that word, right? Like that, that has a specific cultural context in America, which I'm fine using mm-hmm. for that, but I was using it in a more broad term. Um, you know, c- connection, um, deeper, like f- fully connected relationship, maybe would be a better way to say it. Um, it requires two people, or mm-hmm. it, one person doesn't work. <laughs> it has to have the, whoever's involved in it has to be involved. Has to, well, it has to be organic, but it also has to be intentional. Like, I, I want this. You know what I mean? Um, if I don't want it, it's not going to happen. But I'm just what when you're having that conversation, yeah. I'm looking at that picture, uh, and I'm like, that's just that's yeah. like that. There is no effort. That's not an effort. Of Which one? The hands, the care, like the, the women holding hands. Yeah, it's just like that's isn't it? It's just <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm, I'm with you because I, I look at that photo and I see like five different things, mm. right? Like yeah, it is beautiful. Yeah. But it's all, like, we actually, we don't see their faces. 
which is interesting. Like what the facial expression could tell you a lot about the relationship between those two people. They're dead. It's a very tender photo, isn't it? It's very intimate. Because you don't know who's helping who. Though. Who is helping I mean, you? You can make an assumption because somebody's in all white, but that could right. be somebody visiting an elderly nun, or it could be a caretaker <laughs> taking somebody for a walk. Right. Right. I mean, you don't know how that is, yeah. but but it seems like there's 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 tenderness there. Like there's mm-hmm. something mutual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I guess part of my question is, like, there, there is tenderness in so many places. There's tenderness when we're miserable, when we're fighting each other, yeah, yeah. you know? Like, that's, it, it hurts. It's painful. It's not necessarily a tenderness that is beautiful to see, if that makes sense. It's like a bruise. I think that's, such, that's so key to this body of work, is the other side of tenderness, both sides of tenderness. Yes. Yeah. The beauty, the connection, the gentleness, but also tenderness is painful. Yeah, it is yeah. vulnerability right. and it hurts. Yeah, right. you know, and I, to me, that picture in, in the context yeah. of the American South is also about that. It's yeah. about the, the connection and interdependence, but also a history of pain. Mm-hmm. That's, that's also in that, in that picture. Yeah, yeah. Just let that settle for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope it it doesn't come across that I'm saying that your interpretation is wrong because I think everyone receives all kinds of interesting things from from all art from and particularly from photographs that it's almost like well this is telling me something obvious because it's a picture right like oh is it and that's a good like my, my boss literally you'll say um well it's like this and she'll say is it yeah exactly exactly which is just it just cracks me is it uh, yeah. yes. <laughs> no? <laughs> and I'm like, but I think that's a really helpful question is <clears throat> whether it's art that we're looking at or a relationship that we're part of, like we, to, to notice the assumptions that we have about that relationship and go, oh, is that real? Is that what our relationship is? Maybe. Maybe, Maybe it's also some other stuff. Good to, to see it, to see it clearly, right? Can I and, pose a question? Okay. Yeah, please. Because you're all in, you know, you play a role in, in your own um, faith community or you, your, your job or, or your, your other job, as you <laughs> um, When people come to you and say, I'm in pain, yeah. what can you say to them? Hmm. What do you say to them? Yeah. And to say that in pain? Yeah. Say, I'm, I'm in pain, I'm looking for help. Mm-hmm. I listen to them. What, what is the what's the reason for their pain, mm-hmm. try to give whatever little advice I can give. Because I'm a, I'm a religious counsel for the, for the Hindu society, a lot of time, most of the pains are associated with somebody dying, mm-hmm. some close relative or child mm-hmm. or parents. Oh. Others give them the general kind of thought, you know, something is inevitable, you all have to be prepared for it. And, mm-hmm. um, so I try to listen to them more than more yeah. than talk. Yeah. I get the feeling they just want someone to listen more to them. So mm-hmm. Like their child, the like one of my colleague's son um, is not Hindu, he's Jewish. Uh, his son, uh, ninth grade son, I knew him as a as youngest child. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, what happened? He just shot himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a beautiful family. No, uh, his wife, he works as a scientist in PNG, his wife is a physician. Mm-hmm. And he used his own gun and shot him. Yeah. Uh, I just listened to him. I really 
mm-hmm. nothing to say mm-hmm. he said i attended the funeral and everything and he talked about how this kid was so good and yeah. he didn't have any problem really and so just listening mm-hmm. just holding him yeah. did you just say holding him just holding him did you just say yeah yeah that's yeah. interesting yeah, hugging, exactly. him. hugging him literal but also yeah. figurative mm-hmm. you know you're holding him i was holding space for him yeah more more of empathizing rather than advice empathizing mm-hmm. the pain of the person but yeah. so it's got, it depends on the situation in that situation mm-hmm. i could not do anything else mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it definitely depends on the situation too that's exactly. the context uh, yeah um listening i think is key um i think in, we just had a we just had a death a shock uh, uh it's been a, it's kind of been a shock it's been a shock wave through my through my community um and the way that people responded to the news like like I don't I mean, I'll cry but I don't like to break down mm-hmm. like the way that people when they heard the news mm-hmm. and and because I'm in this I'm trying to integrate the three parts of myself like I'm like why am I not responding this way why am I not feeling I I, I feel for this person and it was like because because I um, I ignore pain right so So it's hard for me to empathize with people in pain to feel what they feel. Like my wife wants you to feel it. She's like I feel it. You <laughs> know, and, and I'm like I understand it. I don't feel it though. And and in that I'm like well help me understand. Like so for the family I'm like what you're feeling as I understand pain of this tight is that you're grieving and there's time and there are things we can, you know, we can meet whatever whatever but you're just looking for closure. Mm. At some point you're trying to and so we, you know we're telling all these stories and we're trying to, I mean you just you see people going through the stages of of grief and it's like you're just looking for closure take your time mm. just take your time um and we can talk about like what where you feel the pain and what it feels like and help them to put words to what they're actually feeling mm-hmm. um but for me it is it is listening it's just being truly being present to that pain not trying to make it like i can't connect with certain experiences that people have had like i can't make that connection I do care but I can't bring it into a world I I haven't had that experience and therefore I can't I can't mm-hmm. relate. So for me it's just, how can I just be present for you and with you? Mm-hmm. Like truly be in the room with you not for the job and that's where I think mm-hmm. I went to it was like let me go into work mode and instead of allowing myself to feel like the rest of the community mm-hmm. other folks could feel. In my job it's like no you can't lose it. You, you that's like you may be the only one to hold it together so mm-hmm. you So, so does that make sense so pain is like mm. it's my job in a sense and and I'm trying to get away from that and really like be like that's this is BNC see what that feels like together mm-hmm. I mean I think my my first reaction when people say they're in pain is to try to figure out how to fix it um and so and I I'm learning in my advanced years of 42 to take a step back from that and realize I can't fix it. I can't even fix myself. It's not fixable. Um but that's like my natural reaction. Like my immediate is okay, all right. So what do we need? Okay, who can I connect you with? How can we make this go away? <laughs> make it go. Away. I'll make it go away. Um but most things don't go away. It doesn't work like that. Um So then what I what I try to come out with is is exactly I think what you're you're saying Koti is is there's a lot of listening. Tell me about your pain. Tell me about it. What's going on? Help me understand it. Um 
and and you know obviously clarifying questions and that kind of thing but but to to validate the experience of pain one of the things i've said sometimes and Sometimes people, I guess it depends on the person. Some people hear this and it, it really speaks to them. Some people are like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I, I will often say, like, you're allowed to feel sad about this. You're allowed to be grieving. You're allowed to be angry, whatever the thing is. And I, some of that may come from my sense. I, I don't, I won't give you my whole life story, but I, somehow I learned growing up that I wasn't allowed to be angry. Mm. I don't really don't know where that came from because... I can yell at my parents if I want to. It's very unclear to me, but I got this sort of internal sense that anger is not appropriate. Mm-hmm. One isn't. Mm-hmm. So one just speaks slower <laughs> and Do you possibly more intentionally, <laughs> but one is not angry. And then other people go, why are you so angry? And I go, not angry. <laughs> Anyway, that's. I have some pain too. <laughs> let it out. Let it out. Who knew? Um, <laughs> I think you were talking about empathy. I mean, a lot of empathy is. I'm not sure I can really clearly articulate. Maybe somebody else can. The difference between compassion and empathy. Hmm. Um, I, know, I know there's a difference, but I'm not sure that I can tell what the difference is. Um, neither one of them is. Well, at least you didn't. Mm. have this other horrible thing happen or like it could be worse like that's more like sympathy and that's it's not even very sympathetic empathy is oh I feel that like and it's it doesn't have to be verbal like it's maybe the difference letting that person know maybe you know where they're coming from maybe it's hard though because sometimes we don't know where they're coming that's, from do you know what I mean like that's good at, yeah there, there was there, there was a, a conference we were at recently, uh, and there was we were talking about race specifically in America, and there was a, a white woman in our group who was from Australia, um, and she when we got into our small groups, she immediately turned to the one black woman in the group, and said like I just I I so identify with African Americans now after the, learning this stuff I so identify with it because I'm an Australian and everyone looks down on us because we used to be convicts. And I was like, oh, I'm really struggling with this. And I couldn't figure out how to, how to articulate it in the moment. But like, the, the issue is, I'm so glad. I, like, I'm so, so glad that she identified and that she, she, under, she, she had a sense of the pain, right? The, the, the sense of other people's suffering is so important. But she doesn't actually understand this other woman's pain. She has not experienced that. And like, the, there's, a, there's a difference. You know what I mean? So like... Experiencing someone's pain is not the same as having experienced it yourself. Mm-hmm. See, I'm, I'm, I'm str- it's, it's hard, right? There's, like the language can, around this yeah. is so hard. Yeah, you can appreciate it, you can relate to it, but you don't really yeah. understand it. You have any experience? Yeah, maybe. So I'm not, I'm not sure if saying it out loud is the thing or not. I don't know. I, I, for me, the difference between empathy and compassion, at yeah. least from my perspective, is that empathy feels like you have stepped into that person's body. Mm-hmm and are experiencing it directly, whereas compassion, you feel like you're still in your own body mm. and kind of, you know, experiencing it as you, uh-huh. but that's sort of, and I guess maybe you have to have had enough shared experiences yeah. to be able to truly kind of step in that spot, uh-huh. Uh-huh. but that's what it feels like for yeah. me when I feel like empathy and it is like, oh, yeah. it hurts me in a direct way. 
not um, from a right a separate yeah. point of view. Does it? So you were talking about empathy specifically. How does it feel? Say, maybe I should retract the empathy for creation <laughs> because a lot of like um, I do like workshops and volunteer and community work, and they are for people that have experienced things that I have never experienced, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but. Um, but there is a there's something there that I want to help them mm. and I guess to me um, we all experience grief in different ways but grief is still grief mm. um, regardless of the circumstance that mm. we experience it from mm-hmm. um, I just feel like that's one way that we all might be connected is just raw basic emotion regardless of how we get to that emotion, mm-hmm. it still felt sure. the same. Yeah. And so I think maybe compassion is more, I don't know, a more appropriate word. Right. Than, right. Than. The, I think there's something else about pain that um, not all pain is negative or bad. And again, mm. something that, Say it? more about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on what your, it depends on what, so childbirth, like the goal. Mm. For like, it seems like it would be painful. That's what I've heard. Yes, it is. <laughs> I would never have the experience, but but the, the, I hear the joy of of the life mm. after that. I think about what I can relate to is working out. Like mm. you go in the gym and you're basically ripping and shredding and putting your body through pain mm. in order for it to grow stronger. Mm. I think we do that when we're reading and we challenge our, ourselves around ideas. Like, so mm. there's pain. Like, I don't think all pain is bad. And I'm not in the camp of saying all pain is redeemable either. But I think that even if someone, in the case of, some, of losing someone, I can't, I mean, I can't relate to the, to the family that just lost this person in our community. The mother was broken up. She lost a son. Mm. My brother lost a son. He was my nephew. He's not my son. I don't know what that's like. There's nothing in my experience that can ever that I could ever say to say that I get it, I understand, I relate, but I can be with you. And this is what the proximity thing is. I'm just with you. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to abandon you. And so if you, you got to blow something up, I'll be there with you. If you need to just cry, if you, like whatever it is, I'm just mm-hmm. with you. And to me, that's more when I'm, when I'm experiencing, that's what I'm trying to offer folks is like, we're just here with you. So you can, it's not for a job. We're with you. Mm-hmm. And however, how messy it is, whatever that looks like, Mm-hmm. Whether you grow from it or not, like, we're just with you. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to empathize pain. I agree with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why my mom did not tell the, celebrate the joy of others. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. easy to celebrate. If there's pain, what you have not been in, how can you? Right. Yeah. There's joy, you know, if you've been something, like that. Yeah. <laughs> you can take an experience. Yeah. I've had joy. Yeah. 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 It's hard. Yeah. yeah. What does your faith tell you about pain? Excuse me? What does your faith tell you about faith, pain? Uh, well, our faith tells to take pain and pleasure as same. same you again. make it same. It's the same. Pleasure and make pain, pain are the same. Make pain and pleasure as same. Don't get. Hmm. Don't make pain control you. Mm. You control the pain. Interesting. So they, they are not same. You make it same. Ah, they're not good or bad. Yeah, yeah. Like that. All the duality. Take away the duality. Go beyond the duality. Uh-huh. Good, mm. bad. Dark light, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. victory, yes, you're saying. victory, defeat, that kind of thing, all the realities. Yeah. Um, go beyond them. Right. The, the whole world is made of duality. Yeah. Without duality, the world doesn't run. But you go beyond mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Go past the duality. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, 
because you, it only makes you suffer more, right? The pain is something that has already happened. Right. That's exactly where the, my mom's advice of uh, joyful participation in the sorrows of life. Why suffer twice? Yeah. Something has happened which is beyond your control. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I feel very in control of my suffering more than once. I feel like I do suffer multiple times. It's, it's and hard. I have a hard time it's stopping hard. myself from suffering. I know it's hard. Times. I just told what my fate did. Oh, is it? Fair point. Oh, it's easy for everyone. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I, I will often say to my students, uh, but not I could say my mom was going through pain very easily. But, yeah. but for my dad, even the good things are causing pain. Oh, it may go bad. <laughs> oh, even the good ones are causing pain. Yeah, right. So it's a nature. <laughs> I, I often say to my students, uh, it's neither good nor bad, it simply is. Yeah, right. Just um, I don't say it about everything, but I do say it about a lot of things. Just a lot of things. And to the point that sometimes they're, I will say something and they'll say, Alice, it's neither good nor bad. It could have been worse. Right, but it's but it's it's not meant to be right. It's not meant to be well. It could have been worse. It's more um, sort of drawing attention to the fact that we label things as good or bad. Exactly. We, it, it it feels good, so it must be good. Well, there's lots of things that feel good that are not good for us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, or or this feels bad, so it must be morally wrong. Well, no. Sometimes it, we have to do something uncomfortable in order to get us into yeah, a new mm-hmm, beautiful exactly. space. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Good like, day. you know, grief is neither good nor bad. It just is. It just exists. Mm-hmm. So, I was, uh, I can give you an example. I was drawn into litigation yeah. with my real estate partners, even though I told them not to go to court event. Mm-hmm. So, I had to go through depositions. It, uh, I shelled about $40,000 out of my pocket for nothing. an hour for the attorney. The deposition was in the downtown court in the lawyer's office. Mm. It was very close to Nada. I love that uh, tacos in Nada. (laughs) So, (laughs) during the deposition in the lunch, I would go and enjoy the sangria. Mm. uh, (laughs) My my counselor said, you are not supposed to drink. (laughs) I said, it doesn't matter. So what to do? Just enjoy it. You know, you're there. You're just across the Fountain Square. But my yeah. two other people who were also in litigation, they were, you know, they were getting food from up there, eating, just sitting in the hallway. Mm-hmm. That's their life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, that's, that's the way. I try to make it as, as easy as possible right. for myself. Right. Yeah. yeah. Something which is under my control, I try to. Right. So I have one final question for us and y'all, perhaps. Um, so at the beginning, I asked you what you're longing for. Um, now I'm interested in what you're hoping for. And that's that all for a second. What are you hoping for? What's kind of coming that you want? And if you would, you can ask, you can answer that one, or if you would rather answer. What is the basis of your hope? Why would you hope at all? If there is so much pain, if we are so separate in a lot of ways, what does is, what is hope do for you? Hope is very essential for life. Right? Mm-hmm. Why? Well, that's why we call it hopeless. <laughs> we don't have hope. There's always, we are seeing things get better, things also get worse. Mm. The hope is, uh, my hope is, uh, 
people don't go around creating problems. Mm-hmm. Some things happen, bad things happen, we have no control. Mm-hmm. Tsunami mm-hmm. happens, earthquake happens, these things we have no control. Mm-hmm. Don't go creating problems. Mm-hmm. A lot of time, uh, half the problems in the world are created by us. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Either by our thoughts or works or deeds. Taking offense. Yeah. All them. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I get it. Sure. Thank you. We don't have to wait for Daniel to answer. He's a very thinky person. If other... If you have to put this kind of a meeting 20 years ago, could you have put no? No. no. <laughs> right. See how the communication, how yeah. great it has become. Mm-hmm. I could communicate in yeah, yeah. no time. Yeah. So there's a lot of yeah. good things happening. I mean, this is, this is some... Yeah. This, this conversation you could say, maybe you could say yeah. is something that someone hoped for. I mean, exactly. you certainly have hoped yeah. for May this particular conversation, but... Uh, but yeah, like 20, 50 people, years ago, somebody uh, might have hoped for this kind of conversation. Keeping people in the um, general people. Like mm-hmm. uh, I had a Japanese boss in Phyllis Petroleum Company in 1985. He told me, if I was United Nations, only thing I would do is connect the world by train. Let people travel. Mm. Not this uh, Ivy League wearing three-piece suit and carrying, telling only political right things and... Mm. Kind of let ordinary people go and travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let regular people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Train is the best way to go around. When yeah. you go and see people in real life, yeah. real meet, changes the world. That yeah. unites yeah. the world much better than mm-hmm. just some top officials and you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we're here. Yeah. I thought it was a good idea. I travel by train. And I yeah. always take time. That's why even when driving, I go around, see yeah. people, and see people. Yeah. yeah. That's the, that's the best way mm-hmm. when people come together. Like yeah. I was in Weimar in 1987 in a meeting in East Germany yeah. and they were telling that uh, it was actually very bad. East and mm-hmm. West were totally different situations. Yeah, yeah. But still they were hopeful. They said, mm. I think we have hope in President Gorbachev, they said, 87, mm. 80, 89, oh, the wall came off, yeah. right? 89 or 19, within two years, wall came off. So there is, uh, I couldn't believe them, the yeah. way the border was, especially that was yeah, the yeah. toughest of the border. Other parts of Eastern Europe were not that vigilant. Right. I think here it was very tough. I saw Russian yeah. army trucks everywhere in Bible. Yeah. And they said that they were hopeful. They said, I that it would change. Yeah. yeah. And it did. It did. Yeah. I saw. I was at the wall before it came up, and I was at the wall after it came up. Yeah. So things can happen. Did you have a? I I forget who who said it, and I don't care if I use the word, but it was basically um, travel is the is the best cure for what was it ignorance or yeah. Sounds like Rick Steves. Yeah. I don't know if he said it, but he would say something like that. Yeah. His, his favorite line is if voting uh, mattered, they would have to it. Yes. <laughs> if voting mattered, they would have right. to it. That's right. That's good. <laughs> I, uh, do you guys watch The Good Place? Anybody? Okay. Well, I will not. I will not spoil anything for you. It's very good. You should watch it. Um, uh, but I really appreciate uh, a line that a character said recently that was something along the lines of, "It's not that human beings are good or bad." It's that tomorrow they can try to do something different. It's not that we do do something different. 
tomorrow. It's that we can do something different. And, that, that's, and that's exactly, and to me, like, it was, it's so goofy. I feel like I've been quoting TV shows recently as though they are great theologians, and now I'm like, well, maybe they are. Because um, I was quoting The Crown the other day, too. That's right. But like, that, that really spoke to me. It was like, right, for me, hope is, is not that, that there's some perfect endpoint that somebody has written down on a golden tablet, but that there is always possibility. Mm-hmm. There's always possibility for something better. Um, and, and it's one of the reasons I really appreciate 12-step programs so much is that it's this one day at a time. Like, man, today was crap. But I have tomorrow. That's, for me, that's the basis of hope, is the existence of possibility that I am. Yeah, that's kind of my definition of faith, is like, I think things can be otherwise. That's mm. what faith is for me. Mm. Uh, it can be otherwise. Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and have conversations about the art yourself. General admission to the museum is always free, and we also offer free parking. Special exhibitions include The Levy, a photographer in the American South, Women Breaking Boundaries, and Treasures of the Spanish World. You can join us for another free conversation on the levee called Southern Exposures on Friday, December 13th at 3 p.m. featuring special guest Miranda Lash, curator of contemporary art at the Speed Art Museum in Louisville, Kentucky. For program reservations and more information, visit CincinnatiArtMuseum.org. You can follow the museum on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and also join our Art Palace Facebook group. Our theme song is Ofran Musical by Bacalao. And as always, please rate and review us to help others find the show. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum. 